You're listening to Were You Still Talking? They pump out your blood and they pump in a, a new batch of blood and all of it is the blood of children. All the big stars are going to be on TV now. I mean, it's just the way it's going. Your role, I think, will be played by Brad Pitt. What'd you wear? Uh, I wore my loincloth wrapped around my feet. Are you going by John today? And that's absolutely true. You feel it in every cell in your body. Yeah, you can, you can bend the truth and bend the visualizations no matter what your political affiliation. You could have an alpaca. My a, a girlfriend's daughter recently got married, and they had llamas or alpacas at the wedding. A recording room. They recorded uh, a couple songs in the kitchen of Rumbo. So, wait, you 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 microdosed before this, right? What? Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is Joel, and I am doing a pre-intro intro because I kind of messed up the intro a little bit. In my studio today is Jim Meacham, who retired as head of the infographics lab at the University of Oregon. I messed that all up in the intro. I'm talking about my studio and being back for the first time. And because I'm back for the first time, there are some technical issues. Um, the second camera didn't really work because of the way I set it up, because I used Zoom. And uh, I've been using Zoom for reels. I tried to use it as a uh, two-camera studio setup, which did not work out so well. So if you watch it on the YouTube, then uh, some of the stuff with Jim is going to be a still picture. Um, well, almost all of the stuff with Jim is going to be a, a still picture. And uh, my camera is the only one that really worked. But you will be able to see a lot of the books we're talking about and things like that. So I hope you enjoy the podcast, and now I'll go into the live intro that I did for the actual podcast. Hey, this is Joel Albrecht. Welcome back. This is Were You Still Talking? And today I am in my studio for the first time in, I think, a year and a half. I'm back in the studio, even though it still looks like a Zoom call. It's not. It's me um, setting up cameras so I can record in the studio and I am here with someone I've known since probably I was probably I was a preteen when he first met my brother, and he was um, he started his profession when I was still in my twenties as cartographer, head of the and became head of the cartography department at the University of Oregon. He's had a long and storied career. Uh, I'm really, 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 really glad to have him in the studio. I'm going to go through his list of books in a minute. But uh, first, I'll just say hello. What's going on, Jim? Hi. Oh, Joel, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, I've known you um, for uh, a good part of both of our lives. And uh, yeah, your, your brother, Pete, was, was my best friend for, uh, in high school and for many years. So I remember you as kind of a little brat. No, I'm just kidding. I probably was. <laughs> That, that was all. That was all my brother's fault, though. Yeah, no. Anyway, no. It's great to be here <laughs> and um, have a chance to to chat with you. It's awesome to have you here. I'm just going to show. If I keep talking, I think uh, I think it'll stay on speaker view. So I think it'll stay on this camera. And I'm just going to show around the studio a little bit because just to prove that I'm I'm actually in the studio and we're in we're in the same place. This is the massive. Castle Studios, Massive Castle, and uh, there's a, the other recording device. So I am really in studio. It's absolutely thrilling. It's, it's, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. Um, and real quick, 
As a way of introduction, let me just go through these books on camera. So you did a lot of maps before this, but the first book I got was this Atlas of uh, it's Atlas of Atlas of Lane County. And is this the first or second edition? That's a first edition. That's the Joel. first edition. Yeah, because I also have the second edition. But it was too heavy. I was, and then I mean, there's too many books. And then the Atlas of Oregon. Yeah, I worked on that with Bill Loy and Stuart Allen of Raven Maps and uh, Aileen. Just so. a teeny little quick read. Uh, yeah. The amount of information in these is, it's hard to explain. It's a lot. And then, this came after Atlas of Oregon, right? It did. It did. So this is the archaeological and landscaping in the Mongolian, how do you pronounce that? Altai. Altai. It is Altai. Right. It's, it's just like it looks. Um, yep. So that was a that was a quick little project, right? Yeah. Move. There's uh, only, um, yeah, about 16 years worth of uh field work and field research on on uh, petroglyphs and uh, rock monuments uh, in that very far western corner of Mongolia in the Altai Mountains. I did worked on that with Esther Jacobson and Gary Tepfer. It was it was really an amazing effort. I was out there three years in the field. Three years, okay. I was, I was there, excuse me, three 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 summer uh, seasons, field seasons. Three summer seasons uh, of the yeah. sixteen field seasons. I was out there with GPS unit and. And uh, documenting those features it was really, really exciting. And that was the first time that had been done, right? Um, th that, in, that in that area, yeah. The, the work that uh, Esther and Gary had started in the early 90s was the first time that scientists really went in there working with Mongolian and Russian archaeologists to, um, to document all, uh, this really rich concentration of, of archaeology in that area. And then our, my role was as map, as a mapper cartographer to help in that documentation. And a lot of publications came out, but the Atlas was really a, a summation of, uh, of a lot of that work. It's pretty amazing. And I, I remember you saying you ate a lot of mutton. Yeah. <laughs> like three times a day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we had a, a, a Russian cook camp cook and, uh -huh. and, um, uh, that, that, um, was kind of a mainstay, um, uh, usually uh, a little bit of mutton grease in mixed in with the cereal in the morning and then boiled mutton in the afternoon um, and then something similar in the in the evening but it really helped keep us warm that like the first season I was there in 97 it was really a cold it was cold that summer it snowed on us and the mutton really would keep you warm at night the the you know the the high energy food it was uh, we also had potatoes and onions and and uh, so it snowed on, is it, is it summer, was it summer there? Yeah, it was or summer. Was it, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's in the northern hemisphere. Because of where they, yeah. Yeah, it's just higher, it's just high elevation. It was just kind of a, um, a pretty, pretty uh, cold summer uh, relative. But some of the other seasons I was there, it was, it was pretty, pretty hot and a lot of bugs and, and, and things. But that first one was, was pretty cold. It's like Mongolia over there. It is, it's, it is, it's like really like Mongolia. It's really, it is Mongolia. <laughs> And uh, so now we're going to get to the latest. Well, the late, there's a couple other books in front of me, if you can believe that. Sure. He's had a. Hey, did you mention I'm, you, I'm Jim Meacham? Did I? Did I not say that you're Jim Meacham? Oh, well, hopefully people have still listened. Yeah. They'll say on the, the title as well. So. Okay. Okay. Good. I <laughs> it's, just. It's Jim Meacham, Jim Meacham, if I forgot to mention. Yes. Um, did I really not say that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's okay. Well, there's a second time for everything.
Um, this is <laughs> this is one of his latest projects, Atlas of Yellowstone. This is another first. This was the uh, I'm trying to sh I'm showing this to the audience on YouTube. So if you're listening to this, you can see these pictures on YouTube, uh, and you can always Google any of these. Atlas of Yellowstone, um, massive project, and now this is the first edition I'm holding in my hand. You are now on we about just, to release second. Yeah, we just finished the second edition and turned it over to the University of California Press last uh, at the beginning of this year or the early spring, and um, and I just saw a photo from uh, our publisher of the advanced copy. So it just had come over um, from. I think it was printed in Singapore. So that's very exciting. And the second edition builds on the first edition, but is about 50% um, new or updated material in it. We really expanded the scope of the project in it, and it's to coincide with the 150th anniversary of the um, beginning of the founding of, of Yellowstone National Park back in 1872. Um, it was uh, March 1st, and so it, it's scheduled to be published in January. Uh, it'll probably come out. It's probably going to be available sooner. Um, but it's it's uh, so it's to help celebrate that that uh, really landmark mom, um, time for the first national park in the world. That's amazing. And that was set aside by was it Roosevelt? Uh, Grant. Grant. Oh, Grant. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Had the wrong precedent. Yeah. No, it was. <laughs> there is a Roosevelt Arch that that uh, Teddy Roosevelt had. Um, built at the at the entrance there at Gardner, mm -hmm. Montana. So, so I can you know so he uh, he's he's prominently figures in conservation and national parks in the in the country. But uh, yeah, it was 1872, and um, yeah, it's, it, so we, we we try to look at that like how has the park evolved in 150 years, and then sort of thinking the next 150 years too. And I really you know to get an idea of 1872. Um, I think that was three years before Custer's Last Stand. Um, do, you, do you know, actually, I think the date of Custer's Last Stand was something like 76. So yeah. th that gives you an idea of what was going on in that area right there in 1872. It's pretty incredible that that was, that they, at that point, decided to set aside a national park. Yeah, I mean, one of the sad stories uh, in the national parks is that the, um, the indigenous people there were dispossessed of that of the land and pushed off the land. Um, yeah, and that's the back right. That's the that, other that, side that, of it. Yeah, and we cover and we cover some we cover some of that and uh, in, in in that in, that really important part of that story um, in in the atlas. But there's been a lot of uh, there's a lot of connections. There's like 42 tribes that have connections to the Yellowstone National Park area, and and we we help tell that tell that story and have the um, American Indian place names um, for the for the different tribes are uh, are mapped out. We work with ethnographers on that, and 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 uh, they worked with the the tribes on that to document that. So that's an important um, important part, a really important story that we that we cover in the. That's Alice. actually a whole. It's a whole chapter in here, right? Yeah. Well, it, yeah. There, it? There's a, there's several several page pairs on that on, uh -huh. on those stories. Yeah. Yeah. This. I mean, it's so packed full of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it's really it's mind boggling. If yeah. if you've never thought of going to Yellowstone, um, just get the Atlas for now because it's too crowded anyway. But if you've been to Yellowstone, you definitely want to you want to look at this. Yeah. Uh, we went there 
my gosh, it's been five years ago now. And um, we're just blown away by how the bison are walking across the road and, you know, they're right there everywhere. And then realizing that I believe these are the only actual full bison left. Isn't that right? That herd is the only... It, like, it, yeah, there are, like there are herds, there's conservation herds are, uh, around the country. Mm-hmm. And um, so there is, there is, they, they were definitely a, an origin herd. One of the, that was one of the last um, areas where there were bison in the, in, in the country or in the world um, um, of, uh, in, for the, for the North America, for U.S. Um, in North America. And they were, um, they were used to seed other conservation herds. And we have a map on that uh, around the country. And so there's, um, but it is um, definitely one of the most significant um, herds uh, or a group group of herds um, in in a natural setting uh, in 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 the country. And uh, we have new maps kind of showing the the movement and the migration patterns and how bison have relearned their migration. Oh, um, that's through wow. yeah. It's just like there was just like a few animals, and you can we we mapped out how they begin to spread and seasonally spread throughout the park. And there's different survival strategies um, the, of their seasonal migrations, and and we map all that. We have really detailed um, GPS data we got from the wildlife biologists, and and so there's like the the latest biology um, research we've 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 tried to capture that in the in the maps in the in the text. Um, um, in the book so it's really that's pretty pretty cool and we do that with a lot of other wildlife species too um particularly carnivores and carnivore interactions how like wolves and cougars um and bears interact on a on a on a through like a week or a daily pattern diurnal patterns oh, uh, and, it's, and so we kind of tell those stories through maps um and that's new that we hadn't had in the atlas and one of the another new thing we have in there, we actually have a page pair with a graphic novel telling the story of Wolf Nine Eleven M. Oh, and yeah. We have his life story there of, of through when he was a, a pup up through he was um, part of different packs and he was a lone wolf and then he became the the alpha and then up to the very final battle where he brought down an elk when he was injured and the um, and another wolf pack came in and attacked him. And and stole his prey, and he died. So, um, Just so moment, anyway, my, my studio is falling apart. Keep talking. Anyway, that was so. There's a lot of new things. Uh, we tried some new new things in the in the atlas, and it's um, uh, uh, we're really happy the way it turned out. Uh, a lot of new data, a lot of new scholarship, and and uh, exciting things about the about the park, and the, and actually the Greater Yellowstone region. And then after that, you did the wild migrations. Is that correct? Yeah, that came. Was... That was finished before the second edition of the Yellowstone Atlas, and that's that's a, a book we did with the uh, <clears throat> University of Wyoming, the Wild uh, Wyoming Migration Initiative, with Matt Kaufman and his group, and that one really focuses on um, deer and pronghorn, elk, um, bison, moose. Um, and other uh, ungulate species, and uh, really looks in detail of the the significance and the importance uh, in the ecology of all these long distance migrations. This out of this group, 
um, the, the longest mule deer migration in the, in the world was discovered by Hall Sawyer, one of our co-authors on that, which is from Pinedale, or not Pinedale, the Red Desert, which is south of Pinedale, Wyoming. In This is all south of Yellowstone National Park. And the migration went um, up to the Hoback, which is um, up by Jackson Hole, or south of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And uh, it was over 150 miles, and they thought these animals just traveled maybe, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10, 20 miles, but they, they found this long migration. And since then, and we mapped this um, on, um, and then um, we posted on Twitter every year, we've, we found that they actually go up even further, you know, even like a couple, like a, over a couple hundred miles all the way into Idaho. That's so, awesome. Where on Twitter? Where can people see that? Um, if you go to Wyoming Migration Initiative, um, that is, uh, you'll you can get a link to to um, to on, to Twitter mm-hmm. um, um, from there. Because those are the kind of things that I think uh, uh, social media is really good for. Yeah, so, no, we have animation <laughs> showing the animal moving and uh-huh. and and showing that they go to the same. They kind of race each. We we show multiple years where the where the little deer is racing each other up on that and and you can see how what's called fidelity how they they track really pretty close year to year exactly where the or where they go on on this north south migration so um it's yeah we le- we really learn a lot and um about these animals and 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 their culture where the mother um teaches the the fawn um uh the you know where to go there's it's passed from knowledge is passed on from generation to generation and 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 you see that in the in the research that that the biologists are doing in wyoming oh that's amazing too yeah 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 yeah, they have yeah it's really there's some really cool stuff that's awesome yeah the the takeoff project on that is now there's a we uh, matt kaufman has started a working with about 60 to 100 biologists around the world um, a global migration initiative. Oh, and, awesome! And so, and that includes elephants and wildebeest in Africa, and Mongolian gazelles, mm-hmm. and um, uh, red deer in Europe. And just there's, um, and it's going to be a um, a global atlas, and it'll be an online atlas. So, so we're involved in that project too. Oh, that's great! Because I know I used to watch this uh, wild safari thing on YouTube all the time, where they have a live safari every day. And they went to the, um, oh, geez, now I forgot where it is. It's where the uh, wildebeest migrate. Um, oh gosh, I forgot the name of that. Thousands of tourists go there every year to watch this unbelievable migration. It looks like probably what the buffalo looked like here at one time. It's, it's just millions of wildebeests migrating across Africa for hundreds of miles and through rivers and uh, through lions and tigers and alligators and yeah it's pretty amazing i can't remember i cannot remember what the name of that area is is it the the kalahari or the serengeti is it the serengeti it's a certain it's a certain delta oh my gosh completely forgetting the name of that oh well that's why we need to look up a map yeah that's why exactly (laughs) need that world migration yeah we need that atlas yeah (laughs) Or I need a um, a young Jamie like another podcast has that can, yeah. can look it look it up for me while I'm. <laughs> but yeah. I don't. I never waste time with that. Oh, weird! Someone's at the door. How bizarre! That was a doorbell. If you didn't hear that, someone's scaring our cats. Um, so you spent 
also a lot of time in Yellowstone doing these books. How? Yeah, we yeah. would get well. We'd get to travel there uh, a couple times, probably a couple times a year, mm-hmm. um, maybe even more. And um, yeah, the process was well. We didn't spend a lot of time in the field. We were mainly at their headquarters, and we would have meetings um, set up um, that had been uh, coordinated with one of our co-authors, who's the who's the mapping GIS uh, director there at the park, and um, and Rodman. And she would help us schedule two-hour slots with, like, the the historian, the archaeologist, the, the wildlife biologist, the bear, the, the fish biologist or wildlife biologist, excuse me, the um, like the bear, the bear or cougar biologists or the fire management people, any of the experts. The way we approach it is we would meet with them for two hours um, slots to sort of um, look at, like, the atlases have, I don't know if you want to show, up, show one of them, but it has page pair is what we call and each page pair is a topic and uh for instance um you could just uh yeah there's one um there's one geothermal activity oh, so we would my camera and uh we would uh we would sit down with the uh, with the one of the park geologists who does the inventory for the uh, geothermal activity and we would we would list out on a whiteboard what are the stories uh, mm-hmm. what are the big stories for this topic and you know you could have just books on geothermal activity or grizzly bears and it's like well what are the 10 things what do you have you know how how would we map that you know we think about spatial context we think about temporal context we think about um, other variables or important things that that um, about that topic, and then we start um, talking to them about well, what data is available because you have to map it and graph it, and then we lay and then I just sketch out. Um, um, I would sketch out on a whiteboard where what the page would look like. Like this map goes here with a box, or this graph goes here. This this is all happens in like two hours. So after after wow. like discussing the topics with them. Then we kind of get the list, and then I kind of then I kind of start visualizing how it's going to look on the page, and I go up and I sketch it out on a whiteboard, and then and then what was there's kind of a magic happens where the the, the expert or the biologist or the fire manager or the geologist kind of go they can start to actually see their data in that empty box that I've sketched on that page on the whiteboard, and so we always we always kind of start it, and so by the end of the meeting we have a photo of that mock-up we call it and we have a list of what data and what the storylines are and that's our starting point to work with this expert um on you know building the maps and so um and we do that over and over and over again during the, and so by the end of the day we're wiped out and we're ready to just kind of go for a walk and have a beer mm-hmm. or go have no. a beer and go for a walk and have dinner and um you know walk on the boardwalks at Mammoth Hot Springs or or around or look at the elk that are that are wandering around out outside the park headquarters um and, but we do that like three or four days and we we have like maybe 20 um or maybe you know a dozen to 20 meetings during that time period and then we wow. like to have a day where we get to go out to or we get a chance to go out in the field with 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 um, one of the people in the park or Ann or or off on our own but we do that. That's how we kind of compile and really connect with the experts. And then we follow up with them. So these atlases, like the first edition, took about almost 10 years to get done. 
and the second edition was about three years. So all the follow-up, and then we go back and reconnect and then build the, get the data, um, start building the maps, and then work with the experts to look at look through the maps. And then we ask them to draft like the first five, 500 words of text that go with that. So so you answer your question about do we getting to go to Yellowstone. We, get, we go a couple times a year and have that same kind of process, and we get to go out in the field and, and see things, but... But a lot of it really happens with us just working closely with the people that work out in the park all the time. And there's experts in Bozeman um, and elsewhere, or Jackson Hole, um, or down in the Tetons that we work with too. Um, but um, but it's been it's quite a process. And then uh, we're working with those experts all up until the very end. They're looking at the very final pages, and um, uh, up until we we finish the book in this last. We just completed around the holidays this last year, um, or maybe it was in January or February, we got the very last pieces of um, content into the book um, and then got it off to the publisher in time. That's so interesting because it is what you're describing is so much like how people um, do movies. That's how, it's basically how <laughs> scripts get written is is a very similar matter. You know, everyone sits in a room, except they're just putting out I'd, um ideas whereas you're getting facts <laughs> so yeah. it's just oh, it's, it's interesting, interesting. And, yeah it's an interesting yeah. analogy it is yeah. yeah we kind of think of it as like this big production like you know when you look at film credits there's like there's like all these people that are produced it all the producers mm -hmm. and 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 uh all the the companies involved it's kind of like it's it's a big there's a lot of people there's a there's a, a cast of hundreds that work on an atlas and yeah, you know, just we, like on a film, there's a cast, right. there's casts of, of I mean, all the people, all the people that 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 are involved. And uh, and you look at the acknowledgments page, you see that it's just mm -hmm. it's uh, we're the we're the editors and the and I'm you know and I'm I'm the cartographic editor. So uh, and then I work with um, other cartographers. Alethea Steingesser is the um, one of is one of the key cartog is the key cart cartographer designer. Uh, I work closely with her, and then and then but there's like there's all these other cartographers and then all these other experts. So it's, it goes, it goes on and on. And Andrew Marcus is the lead, lead editor on it. And so. you, um, I mean, when you, you're working on it, um, through the U of O, right? I mean, the U of O is also a big part of this project, but also, um, is it my, um, there's a couple other universities, right? Or well, does it, uh, yeah, the first, I mean, the we had help from the University of Wyoming and the mm -hmm. in Montana State. Montana State, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to say the wrong. Yeah, school. no, no, it was <laughs> University of Wyoming and Montana State, and they helped us uh, with this. But it's um, it's the U of O, particularly in this on the second edition, um, uh, is is really the key is the key university, and it's it's copyrighted by the University of Oregon. So. Yeah. Oh, you did say, yeah, I was going to say that's the University of Oregon for people who aren't duck fans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I, I always say U of O. Yeah. And then, um, and, but the Wyoming Atlas, um, the Wyoming migration of, of ungulates Atlas, that was a, um, a joint, uh, University of Wyoming, University of Oregon publication and it's a uh, jointly copyrighted. And so that was, that was really a joint effort and we continue to do work with the University of Wyoming. It's that that's been a great relationship, mm -hmm. and this global migration initiative is coming out of the University of Wyoming. And you actually, you say you continue to do this work, but um, you actually retired recently. 
Yeah, from, you know, I did. What I, you tell me. Yeah, I did that. Now I'm kind of in post retirement. Um, uh, or I am. A, I'm in post retirement right now. But no, I've, I finished up uh, 33 years at the U of O um, in the end of June. Uh, it's, you know, I can't think of. I've had. I don't think I've could have asked for a, a, a more rewarding or um, uh, you know exciting career. I really have enjoyed it or meaningful career. Um, and while I, just, I agreed to, to stay on while we're looking for a new, while they're going to be searching for a new director of the infographics lab, that's the lab. Um, you had said the cartography department. It's really, oh, I'm we're, sorry. We're in the geography. I did say it wrong. Yeah. We're in the geography department and it's the infographics lab. And this is Jim Meacham I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you're, you're Joel Albright. I'm Joel Albright. <laughs> um, we've only known each other a, 40 years, I guess, because more, probably more, more than that. 33 years is about, 50, that's about say, when I started just drumming. just about 50 it's years. About, yeah, yeah, that's probably right. About, yeah, just so about since about, I was um, not even born, 40, before I was born. 48 years. 50. I was 48 years. Cause I think I met Pete that makes sense. When, I was, when I was like 14 or 15. Wow. Yeah. So I would have been seven or eight. Yeah. 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 No, that's, not that much younger than him. Six years. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that yeah. was, uh, um, yeah, that was, that, those were, those were good days. Yeah, those absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been great working on atlases. Um, I, I really cut my teeth um, learning how to do atlas making from my mentor, Bill Loy and Stuart Allen. And uh, that's Bill Loy's who I took cartography from. And, and then in the Atlas of Oregon project, um, which you showed example was, um, you know, we've actually modeled a lot of our work after that, after that project, and it's it's a it's been a great model. Even though I try to break out of that model sometimes, like with the um, Altai project, but um, in design, book design, um, we kind of come back to it because people really, really like it and respond well to it. So it's 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 been great. So how did you, how did you get like how did you decide to become a cartographer? That's that's always an interesting story. I mean, that's yeah. it's kind of not the usual field, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, map making is not. Yeah. In fact, a lot of times I'll say cartographer, and they'll say, "Oh, you, you're a photographer," because they don't quite hear it. Oh, right. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you if you say you're a geographer, they'll 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 think you know all about rocks. Right. Yeah, you're a geologist, but um. But anyway, no, I I got into it. Um, I when I, I went back to school. In, um, I had first kind of started out in business and I was in restaurant management when I was young, a young adult. And then, um, I decided to, um, to go back to school. I really got in, I really got excited about the outdoors and in environmental issues. And I thought I wanted to be like an environmental planner, um, of some, some sort or some study something in the environment. And, um, I started at going to school back, I went to Lane Community College and I took my first geography class from Joe Serrell, Geography of Oregon. And I just, it was like, wow, this is, this, all this is really relevant. This is great s stuff that I'm learning in the geography of Oregon, learning about physical and human cultural geography and um, learning about place and, and developing a geographic perspective. And, and that really has, that, that stuck with me. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, and so I was taking lots of geography. I thought I wanted to maybe be a hydrologist, um, which a lot of geographers are, and a or a physical geographer. And then I took Bill Loy's cartography class at the U of O, and it, and uh, 
I just loved it. I loved, I, when I was in high school, I really loved art classes and designing and creating things. And cartography was really a way to create um, graphics and maps and, com you know, it's really a combination of geography and art and, oh, right. and graphic and graphic yeah. art. And so uh, it really resonated. And um, I, uh, I kind of never looked back. I just, I really got into cartography and uh, I worked real, I worked hard to get different part-time jobs or temp, not part-time, but temporary jobs uh, like with the BLM. And then I got a job with the, uh, um, state of Oregon parks um, on a survey crew and I was on a survey crew with the BLM and so I was kind of applying mapping not cartography but mapping skills building building um, building those those skills and then I got a job at, with ODOT as a cartographer and and uh, um, making um, I mean right this is right when digital cartography just was getting going so I got a chance to make some of the first digital maps at ODOT, county maps. Um, Columbia County was the first digital county map um, for in the state of Oregon with, with ODOT. And so I was kind of um, coming up with new ways to use this software, um, uh, CAD software at the time. And um, so that was just, it was an exciting time. I, I learned how to, I, I, in, in class, I learned how to do manual cartography with pen and ink. Mm -hmm. But then at the state, they were just getting these digital CAD design tools. This is back in 1985 and in an 86. And so I got a chance to really just learn them on the job. And um, it was, it was really a great time um, to do that. So we, we were, they were making city maps and I started making county maps and then, um, and also did a, uh, 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 I had worked for the state parks and I went over there and I continued doing some state park work. I did the Beverly Beach State Park master plan in a CAD system. It was their first digital master plan with maps. That's, so, that's it amazing. Was, it was yeah, really, I mean, I'm trying to picture that. Were those like on floppy disks or? Were they? Do you remember even what they used? Real to real. real. <laughs> Did they? Did they yeah. really? Yeah. Wow. Like, like, like we would make the map, the CAD that. map, and then we wanted to plot it on this big Zionetics pneumatic plotter. Uh -huh. I had to. We had to actually copy the plot file from on a real to real tape, and then take it over and put it on another real to real that ran the plotter. Oh wow. Yeah, and so so it, that was like a mainframe computer. It was a mini. They called it a Vax Mini computer. A Vax Mini computer. Wow. Yeah. So it if, was for it, you, real computer buffs. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was Unix operating uh -huh. system, but uh -huh. it was really they called it Clicks. Um, well, no, actually, it was it was Unix. No, I'm sorry. That came later. That came with the workstation. It was VMS. So did you have system. to learn a lot about those? I mean. Yeah, I had to learn kind I, of all sorts of new stuff. It yeah, was, yeah, I had taken like Fortran and Basic in college. Okay, okay, because I, I remember back then you could not. There was no Windows. There was no Apple operating system. You couldn't sit down. It's all command line, and you right. got a, you got a notebook in front of you that you look up commands. Wow. So, but anyway, it was different. yeah, it was it was, but it was a great. It was really exciting time, and mm -hmm. and then I came back to the U of O, and we started the Infographics Lab. Bill Loy had recruited me to come back, and he got a grant to get an Intergraph workstation, uh, educational department, national department of education grant, and and we we um, Bill Bill and I started the lab in 1988 in on July 1st, and I came back to work and and then I started the master's program at the same time. 
and, oh, wow. and um, we just started making. We made the f- the first um, CAD digital, uh, excuse me, uh, CAD map of the campus mm-hmm. from photogrammetrically created um, files. They f- uh, digital files. They flew the campus, and then we I stitched them together to make a um, a campus wide map. There were tiles of um, of uh, CAD maps um, that had been t- done using photogrammetric techniques. So we got that from CH2M Hill, and then we we created a, basically a CAD database of the campus. Started that, and then I started working on the Atlas of Lane County, and then also um, the Atlas or the uh, converting the Oregon State Highway map to from from manual sheets uh-huh. to um, and overlays to a digital form. They wanted to do that. So that was, so I started doing contracts with ODOT and that um, uh, through the U of O and when I was a graduate student. And then that became the basis of my thesis research was that technological transition from manual to digital of the Oregon State Highway map. Oh, that's so interesting. So, wow. So I, well, so how lucky you are to have uh, be an Oregon resident. Instead of California, or New York, or something. Yeah, no, it was it was great. You know, and I, I when I first started thinking about being a cartographer, I thought, you know, how, how many cartographers are there? You know, I knew the state highway map. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to be able to be the cartographer of that? And and it turns out I got to do that. Oh, that's awesome. So that's great. Yeah, you and we continued start... working doing ODOT work at the Infographics Lab for many years with, and a lot of students got experience through that. So they would work on that project, on, on, on that effort and helping. We were kind of like a research arm to the um, ODOT mapping group up there. So Wow. That's so cool. So I did that for years. Uh-huh. And you have students that have gone on to great things. You, you actually brought some examples of yeah. what some of your students are doing now, one yeah. of which I played in the band with. Yeah, Riley <laughs> Champagne. Um yeah, no, I I'm really I, th- I think one of the most rewarding aspects of of my of my uh, career my job has been working with students mm-hmm. and I teach the advanced cartography class every year and then we recruit from that class or elsewhere uh, students to work in the in the lab undergraduate and graduate students and they get to hone their skills. Um, working on these projects, that, like you, we were just talking about Yellowstone, or and we work on a lot of other projects too um, throughout in, in the lab. Um, but it really prepares them well. And then we've had students go off to um, um, the New York Times. Aaron Eigner worked there for many years as a graphic designer. Um, Riley, who you just mentioned, um, he's now at, the, at National Geographic. And, um, and then Christina Shintani, they both have... Um, that's okay. They both have maps in the um, in the in the March. They have usually have maps in every issue, but but um, you can see here um, this one on on rivers. This really beautifully done spread on rivers, um, setting rivers free. That Christina Shintani, who took my advanced cartography class, and then she also studied rivers in our department in geography, um, is working there. And then Riley um, Champagne, who's done a lot of work, he's did one. He did one on the um, looking at the borderlands um, in the Himalaya, in the Hindu Kush Himalaya, and so, and the conflicts going there. And oh, so that just is awesome! Really beautiful stuff. That is really so, awesome. And 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 both of them, um, yeah, are just doing really really great stuff. And then mm-hmm. and then another um, student 
of mine who used to work at National Geographic. She's at um, the Washington Post now is Lauren Tierney, and she's doing some of the most uh, amazing cartography there. There was a front page. Uh, it was really a, a, a solemn piece, um, a somber piece um, that she did. She did a map when we reached the 100,000 mark of deaths in COVID, and it was these illuminating lights on a 3D map that uh, showing the number of deaths, like a surface of, I mean, each each ray was um, represented, you know, the number of deaths in that city. And wow. so you, and, and wow. it was just like a, uh, it was really a memorial piece and it was on mm-hmm. the front page of the Washington Post. So she's done that. And then she's done, you know, a lot of um, really creative stuff with like um, covering the, the, uh, the autumn, um, changing of the leaves color and then incorporating those colors into maps. So it's just really art, artistic, really, really works of art. And, uh, but she's doing gr- great things there. And then we've had a lot, you know, students are throughout government, throughout private industry that have been through the geography or the, uh, infographics lab program, mm-hmm. um, that are, um, that are, that are out there. So we have a, you know, we're one of the, um, top, top, um, labs and cartography and departments um, that that have students that, that are out in the workforce. So, really, I'm really proud of that. And and um, and of course, I'm not you know in the lab. Uh, Alethea Steingesser and Joanna Merson, the other staff there, they really help with a lot of that mentoring. Um, and and uh, um, they're they're a, a big part of that whole whole process. So I'm I'm it's a team effort. Right. I, right. So I, how big infra- how big is it? How big is the infographics lab? I've never had a real idea picture of that um it, it's um you, you can we've had up to like um 10 people working in that lab mm-hmm. and um we, we usually have um we we it can range from like three full-time to six full-time people depending upon you know all the, the activities that are going on there and then we can have anywhere from you know from four to um eight students working in there uh-huh. and you know and uh, we have they're not necessarily everybody's not there at the same time. So right, so right. It's a you know it's a uh, I, I'm trying to think square footage. You know maybe a, a eight hundred square feet, thousand feet. Yeah, I was I was curious yeah. it's like how many students uh, are going through there all the time and how many. That I'm just curious. Yeah, about, yeah. No, yeah. it's probably you know we can right now you know we're we probably have like six students and sometimes we get up to like ten. But you know when we're really um, humming along on a big project, there could be maybe twelve students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And now, um, what are you what are you going to do now that you're thinking about retiring? <laughs> well, I haven't. I've actually am retired, but I'm 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 definitely phasing phasing out of the 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 infographics lab. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I have an idea for a a, a book on map design. Oh, awesome! And um, a, sh- a small one, uh-huh. um, you know, not a big textbook, but one that really takes my class that I've been honing for um, the last um, couple of few decades, and take the those uh, concepts and, and a lot of examples of the work that we've done and put it into a a, a book that um, can you be used by um, you know a lot of people that are making maps in different agencies or GIS uh, geographic information system settings um where they're uh 
you know, they may, might not be focused on cartography, but these these concepts and fundamentals could be really helpful for them to improve the quality of their of their maps, but also could be used in a class. Too. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing I want to work on. Um, and uh, and I've got I've got them, you know, the material for my class to, to do that. Um, but yeah, doing some um, just projects on my own. Um, uh, uh, there's a variety of things. I'm, I don't know if I really want to. No, I mean, but you're but, also you also have traveled a lot. Besides, oh yeah, yeah. Besides uh, making maps, you've been all over the map. <laughs> yeah. No. No. We have. A, I mean, as far as the yeah, but other ideas. Um, yeah, Janet, my partner, and I, we'd, we'd love to go back to um, Scotland and um, Iceland. Yeah, that, that and, sounded amazing, Scotland. Yeah, yeah. and we, she's a spinner, a wool spinner, and, and so we really have this, um, uh, we like to include thinking about going places where there's really interesting sheep and, mm-hmm. and you know, that, that whole aspect. And I thought of making, it'd be great to make some maps of, like, some... Um, like there's this there's this one breed of sheep that eats um, seaweed. Um, oh wow! The, the, really? The Ronald Sea sheep up in um, up in northern Scotland, and it would be kind of kind of cool to to figure out a way to go there and and uh, and check they out eat the maps. Seaweed? Do they yeah. smoke a pipe and have big forearms? No, they, no, no. <laughs> no, but they uh, no. It's just something that's developed where the those that particular sheep got. There's a whole history of it, and I mm-hmm. I. I'm just learning about it, but where there's a wall that keeps those sheep from going inside the inner part of the island mm-hmm. because their digestive system, you know, is has been developed to eat seaweed rather than grass. Oh, and, wow. and uh, you know, I think it had to do something with the the land use, the land ownership policies, mm-hmm. kind of push those sheep into those areas on the on the edge of the island. Anyway, there's just a lot of really interesting things around that, and um, the soy sh- sheep, um, which is on the one of the islands. Um, on the western side of Scotland, that that's uh, also real interesting. We 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 went down and visited a um, the soy uh, an owner that has the so has a, one of the conservation soy herds in southern Oregon in the Applegate, and that's like another fascinating um, s- story. And that's the oldest species of sheep known of domesticated sheep. Oh wow! And, I had no and, idea. Yeah, and um, and wow. Stuart Allen, it was making a map of the island of the Soy Island mm-hmm. where those where those sheep are, and they're they're basically semi wild or feral sheep. They live on on their basically on their own, but they're high, they're studied a lot. So I think you know there's just these really interesting things around the you know subjects that would be kind of cool. To, I had uh, no idea to, there were semi feral sheep that existed. Yeah, well, they're, That's a new one. they they were they were managed, and then now they're they're on their own um, mm-hmm. on this island. If you look up soy sheep, um, so there's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting things I can you know and kind of pursue these kinds of stories. Um, um, so that's one of your favorite Scotland, I guess, is one of your favorite. Yeah, Scotland. Places. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I like a lot of people. I, there's a lot of places I like. I like. I really love Northern Italy too. We did a trip there. I, did, I went to a mountain cartography conference. Uh, in Australia, in, in Germany, on the border there, up in mm-hmm. the, up in the Alps, and it would be, um, and then Janet met me, and then we did a t- uh, trip through through uh, um, Italy, so going back to Bolzano and and then up into the Dolomites and oh yeah, so yeah, hiking, so a lot of hiking, and also had a chance to work with a group in um, Nepal, in Kathmandu, the um, um, uh, 
International Mountain, uh, or oh, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Um, it's the International Center for Integrated Mountain Development. Mm-hmm. And um, they w- look at the Hindu Kush Himalaya area. They do mapping. And so I did a, um, um, with Joanna Merson, we did a cartography workshop there um, before COVID and uh, started um, working with them on a, on a, on a gender atlas looking at gender issues in the Hindu Kush Himalaya. So hoping maybe I'll be able to start working with them. I'm, you know, this is something I could do in post or, you know, in retirement mm-hmm. is maybe continue helping them or, or, or helping them, but just, um, doing a little bit of, uh, work with, uh, um, uh, with them on, on that Atlas project. So that's, that's, that's an idea. I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty neat to go back to Nepal. I, I really, enjoyed that experience that sound, that place seems amazing yeah 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 i would love to go there i did a trek I, in the annapurna could yeah. or the annapurna area uh-huh. in the conservation area and um uh, that was uh, it was really remarkable um just a really beautiful beautiful place we were talking earlier about um mutual friend that was on the uh well you know him better than i do who was on the podcast who hiked the uh Pacific Crest Trail. Have you ever had a um, an inkling to do that? Has that ever oh you know to you at all that that kind of extreme hiking? Um, That's what I would call it extreme hiking. Yeah, no, it's a. I I can I can see why people do it. Um, yeah, I think early early on, I read a a book. Um, this was back in the eighties called Pacific Crest um, Odyssey, mm-hmm. and um, and that was before it really became. You know, it was really it wasn't uh, as popular, but I, I think you know I had you know always had that in the back of my mind. I think that would that would be a pretty cool thing to do, um, but I don't think I had the you know just there's just so many other things to do you know right. to dedicate that much time. But but I know Bob Welch and you know he he wrote a book on it on mm-hmm. doing doing that and and um, and then of course Stu who you're talking about um, uh, you know th- that that drive and, and it, you know, it's really a, it becomes kind of like a way of life being on the trail. Oh, you know? right. And I can see that appeal. Um, but, um, I haven't really seriously, um, considered that. Um, one thing I w- would like to do and I've done, I've did, um, I circumnavigated or did the circuit around the three sisters, which is nothing compared to like doing the, the PCT, but it also is really cool to, to hike. And it's like, that's like a, I don't know if it's 60 miles or 50 miles. Um, and that's, that connects the trails and you can kind of see the, the sisters from all different sides. You know, it's like a three night, four day trip. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's pretty that's cool. A, yeah. And then there's, a, you can really do, cool. you can do something and then there's the trip and there's the one around Mount Hood and then around, um, Rainier, the Rainier is the called the Wonderland trail, mm-hmm. I think. And, a lot of people and that's pretty rigorous i don't know if i'm up for that but um that would be a pretty cool thing so i think that would be kind of it's it's, it's not it's kind of in the same vein of you know maybe doing the uh, pacific crest trail but it's just much shorter and in a shorter little less little less commitment yeah, yeah. Well, a lot less yeah the <laughs> but logistics but, still, I, but i think amazing. long backpacking trips um are are pretty cool you know mm-hmm. the Wallow is there's a lot of really great places to backpack in the Wallow is right so. right well, I'm amazed how kind of crowded those things are getting. It, it doesn't seem like very long ago where if you did 
one of those walk hikes that you wouldn't see many people, but it's not that way anymore. It see a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's you, good and it's bad. It's good that people are getting out there, but yeah, they just yeah. implemented the new permit system, um, like in the Deschutes National Forest, and um, we, I, I got a permit for the Green Lakes Trail mm-hmm. head, and um, it was it was pretty remarkable how I was able to like just go there and get a parking space and didn't see like a, t- a ton of people. Oh, that's um, good. So it really, we did that last week and we hiked up towards Green Lakes uh-huh. and um, it was really quite pleasant to, you know, it takes planning, but, right. but right. you know, you don't have, you, you don't have like um, 300 people in the parking lot, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it just, it became um, a real issue of really hard on the environment when you have that many people. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, there's there's pluses and minuses to the um, the permit system, but I think it it overall it um, I think I think there's a lot of value to that to protecting the you know oh, protecting definitely. those places and then right. also making the experience much nicer for the people that are that when you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so, we're going to I, we're going to Redwoods next. Well, in September, hopefully it'll be a slower you know a little bit slower because people are going back to work, but. It, that place can be really crowded sometimes, but it still, you know, you can disappear pretty fast into the trails. Yeah. So, oh, that's, that's a nice. magical place. So it is. It is. Have you been to Tall Trees there? I I don't think so. Oh, okay, I'm not going to tell people how to get there, but there, there's kind of a a secret grove that is a little bit harder to get to, and uh, so there's way less people there. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's really that's that's really uh, yeah. Those trees are magnificent. Just... Uh, yeah, it, it's we love going there. Realize we haven't been there for five years. We were going there every year for a while because um, it's so I don't know. It just changes your energy when you go there. Really, really different, different deal. So yeah, finally getting back there. Hopefully yeah. get back to Hawaii soon. But we decided to paint the house instead <laughs> <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, that can be rewarding in its own way. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be great. We I didn't realize, you know, we got the roof done, so we needed some touch-up done is what I thought. But we had someone over to look at it and realized, okay, needs a little more than touch-up. But now we're all excited because it probably will not need painted again ever. So, yeah, yeah exciting. We're working with a uh, landscape uh, garden designer on our, our, our uh, front yard and our side yard and um, Janet really wants to include a, a lot of native species, so that's pretty exciting to go through that process. And, oh yeah, and rip out yeah. the invasives and and uh, um, so um, so we're doing that this this summer. We're in the process of that, so it's fun working with a designer. Um, and I think about design and layout and things, so it's kind of fun to see a garden, you know, landscape designer. Where, oh yeah, you know how they their perspective and and uh how they approach it and so it's been it's we're in the we're in the design process right now so that's been been that, fun that's really fun yeah i've never heidi's always done all the design for our little little garden area <laughs> yeah we so, are, are but are, that's that must be interesting have someone come in that has a different eye you know does it professionally yeah it needed it it was <laughs> <laughs> i've kind of let the invasives um, kind of take over so. oh okay yeah, it it's hard. That's hard not to do in Oregon. Yeah, really hard not to let the invasives take over. That's really tough. Yeah. 
Well, we should probably wrap this thing up because uh, it's really hot in here. Um, yeah, it's warmed up. It's warmed up. It's not that hot outside, but the studio is small. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I will do the the little... Uh, you've been listening to... Were you still talking? In my studio today, I've be, uh, been talking to Jim Meacham. He is a cartographer, geographer, now semi-retired... Um, Absolutely amazing yellow uh, atlas of Yellowstone. If you, you know, if you have any interest in getting it, you should go to Yellowstone and pick it up in the gift shop. And uh, wild migrations is another one that's uh, still pretty new. I had to ask, um, I had to explain to a lot of people what an ungulate is when I told them I had a friend that did a, a atlas of ungulates. So um, pick up the book and then you'll find out exactly what that is. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, really appreciate you stopping in, giving it a listen. Come back soon. Be sure and share it with all your friends. Um, Jim, thanks, thanks so much. It's been Thank so you, awesome. Joel. Yeah, this has been great. Really, I, really I great hope talking with you. Yeah, it's it's been a very interesting conversation. Always learned so much. And uh, what what do I say? Oh, be good to each other, and be good to yourself. And I'll hit end now. <laughs>